This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hi, everyone. It's Shep Hyken here with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. I am very excited today because our guest is Laura Bassett from NICE, and we are going to be talking about how to be amazing, and actually, we're going to get into what happens if you're unamazing and how to avoid being unamazing and much, much more. Before we get into that, a couple of quick announcements. If you have a story about amazing customer service or you'd like to ask a question, just reach out to me on any of the social channels and be sure if it's a question to use the hashtag AskShep. And I am everywhere, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, you name it, I'm there. And if I don't answer your question there, I might answer it in my newsletter on this podcast or my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home, which can be found on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Prime. And now you can go to BeAmazing.tv. That is BeAmazing.tv. All right, let's get into the interview. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, I am glad you're here too. I have uh, enjoyed my relationship with NICE for a very long time. Uh, actually, it was probably about six years ago, I was one of the speakers at NICE Interactions, which is your big annual customer conference every year. You are the VP of product marketing, and specifically, you're involved with NICE CX1, which is a, uh, basically, it's a cloud uh, platform with, uh, for the contact center, a total customer experience end-to-end journey. That's what you're involved with. You're, you're recognized as the chief storyteller. So let's start off with a short story, or at least a background and introduction to what NICE CX1 is. Sure. Um, so yeah, NICE CX1 uh, is absolutely, it's it's the, the most complete platform really for uh, delivering an end-to-end customer experience. And that actually, nowadays, the way we view it is that's beyond the contact center, Right. Customer experience happens well beyond the contact center and well beyond the agent of the business, right? It's It involves every person in your business. It involves every touch point and way that your customers try to engage with you. And that's really what we as a company look to do is to enable other businesses, other brands to recognize and um, and actually service the customer in whatever way they want to engage, when they want to engage and how they want to engage. Right. So the, when we think of customer experience and you start talking about the contact center, oftentimes people confuse and they kind of merge the two or use the words interchangeably. Customer experience, to your point, is everything, the entire journey, it, the, even to the point where the customer doesn't know they're going to do business with you till they go and start a Google search. And then they find your company and then they start to interact with the website. And uh, many times that contact center is for customer support. Therefore, that people say, oh, that's customer service. But really, the service experience starts with how easy it is to do business with you, regardless of where you are. Every interaction point 
uh, can create friction or be easy. And your job with CX1 is to try to make it as easy as possible for every customer to do business with their with their with the company. So yeah, did I say that well? You can hire you me. Said to that very say that well. again if and you like. Nope. Yep. <laughs> you said that very well. Um, I'll record it and capture it for later. But uh, you know, and it's a good point. It's it's whether they're a new customer, an existing customer, a returning customer, right? Um, they all have a, a different not necessarily a different, but a way in which they'd like to engage with you and the way they expect to be able to do business with you. Um, that's really set by the way they even live their daily lives today. Yep. So as people are listening to the show today, even if you're not involved with the contact center, there is going to be a plethora, an abundance of information that Laura is going to share with us about what customers expect, what they demand, what will actually, we're going to talk about the unamazing experience because you have a story that I'd like you to share. Eventually we'll get to that. But right now let's talk about what expectations are happening, both uh, from customers and internal uh, with agents and other people who are on the front line. Since the pandemic, the whole concept of customer experience has accelerated and the demand is higher than ever before that we meet our customers where they want to be and meet their needs. So give us a little background on how NICE perceives that. Yeah. And so I'm going to start um, a little bit at a, at a high level, right? One thing we have to recognize is that we've all, every single one of us gone more digital. And what do I mean by that, right? How far we've gone had depended probably on our starting point. There was a baseline. Um, it could be, you know, I look at my mom, she abandoned her checkbook. She started paying bills online, right? All this really forced by the pandemic. Now she questions though, why can't she get help with what she's trying to do online, online, right? If I look at my niece, she took it further. She starts on Google, but she wants to communicate via texts, via WhatsApp, right? And so it all is based on a, a ground zero, right? But the fact is, the level of patience is also at ground zero, right? For being able to get the help that we need. And then for agents, they're consumers too. So their expectations have accelerated. And if we tie that back, the level of, they, they tie what they should be able to deliver with what they experience that other businesses actually deliver. And they don't want to be that I, agent. Gonna, I want to stop you there because that is a huge point. You, uh, I, I've always said the customer is more demanding than ever because they're learning from other companies, not even in your industry, what great service looks like. And now what you're telling me, this is brilliant, uh, that the people working in the company, the agents, anybody there is basing the experience that they want to give to the customer, not necessarily on what the company might be capable of doing, but what they know the company could be doing similar to other companies that they've done business with. I, I, that's brilliant. Absolutely. Right. And they don't want to feel held back. They don't want to feel overmanaged. They don't want to feel under enabled. Right. And add to that, that they have now worked at home and they need the flexibility in their schedules based on the new, the new norm, right. As we all call it. And, and really as businesses, if we can acknowledge that and we get them there by, by empowering them, I like to call it treating them like executives, empowering them to be a customer experience executive. 
it drives better performance. It drives retention, all of those pieces. But yeah, they are also knowing that they, what they could be doing. And if they're not, they don't feel like they're doing the best job. They're frustrated. We want our employees to feel fulfilled. And when they do, they better engage. They feel uh, empowered to do so. And it's not just because we've given them permission, but they feel good and, and the tools that they have are easy and intuitive, just like we want our customers to experience an intuitive website. All right, let's jump to technology since we're talking about websites. And one of the things that you're a fan of is proactive communication, proactive customer experience. So let's dig into that a little bit. Yeah, so there's a couple of things I think to think about when it comes to proactive communications. We as businesses really... Um, we have the data, we have the information to know when we can better service our customer, when they might need help, when we might imp- inform them of you know, things they didn't know about that they could do with their product, right? Or, or the, the additional service we can provide them. And, and really what it comes down to is that we can actually understand and predict when we can answer a question for that customer before they've even realized they have that question. And, and how do you do that? Do you, when you say we can predict, is this because uh, is artificial intelligence helping us out or are, do we just learn from past experience with hundreds, if not thousands of other customers? Yes. Yes. And yes. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, absolutely. You're spot on. Right. And what we've done is we've taken billions, right, of interactions and understand customer behavior and created some actual AI-driven behavioral models and couple that with the company's own information about how problems are resolved, what questions customers come with, apply the analytics and the AI to that, the combined picture, and you really have a great ability to proactively engage your customers getting them ahead of when their frustration levels get high, right? And helping them before they've actually had to reach to you. So we view that as a key piece of the experience today that that honestly um, helps a business overall as well, because we're not not having the customer get to a level where they need our assistance, or we're actually helping them to get more value out of our products and and keeping them around longer as a customer. Now, I recognize in the B2B world, it's uh, that's business to business. There are a lot of times to uh, onboard customers properly. We, you know, in the B2B world, there's far less customers than in the consumer world. So we can give a little bit more one-on-one. Oftentimes there's a salesperson involved. Now, when we get to the consumer side of things, given the sheer numbers of consumers that might be buying a product, how do you become proactive to that large base of customers? Well, and I, th- I think it's just what we were saying, right? I think it is the ability to understand broadly what their needs are. Um, you know, I have, a, I have um, a favorite example of mine that, you know, just over the years, it's, it really helps to understand what being proactive can mean. And, you know, we all carry around these mobile devices, right? Yeah, and- for those that are listening, she held up her phone. <laughs> I can see her, but I know most of the people are actually everybody because this is an audio-based interview. Anyway, so go ahead. We carry around these mobile devices. And, and we purchase those and we use them for the core capabilities they have. Probably text, 
maybe sometimes making a phone call, browsing the web and potentially the company's app that they're going to provide that the ones that I do business with, or, you know, a reading app or things like that. But what happens is when I actually purchase that device, I have a window at which I could actually return the device and cancel the contract. Well, there's a milestone in a customer's journey that that business can very easily understand. And what if they provided me some proactive tips for getting more out of my device before the end of that period? And I think this, this is an example of where we can look at what businesses across the industry do to provide a level of experience and then look internally at our own business and say, in what way could I provide that same concept? Because I could increase retention of my customers and this was actually proven to happen, right? When you look at those mobile devices, if you give those tips before that end of that window, you're going to, you could potentially increase your retention of those customers by 50% within that first 30 days. What does that do for long-term revenue for the business? Oh, right? it's huge. And in the first 30 days, my friend, Joey Coleman wrote a book titled the first 100 days. And it's about what you do in those first days after the sale is made to make that customer say, wow, great, great idea. I'm glad I bought that. When you mentioned the phone, I remember every time I get a new phone or perhaps there's a major update, I start getting messages on my screen. Do you want to know about the latest update? Do you want to know about what you can do? We've got a better, you know, photo system now on your phone or whatever. It's great. And, you know, same thing with emails. Uh, you push content to make the experience for the customer better. Let's take a short break. When we come back, I want to talk about uh, customers who like to go digital first, which are to use some of the channels that we talked about, knowledge bases, video, that type of thing. And then I also want to get into that unamazing experience and how to avoid it. So we are talking with Laura Bassett at NICE, and this is Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. Hi, Shep Hyken, your customer service and experience expert, and I'm excited to tell you about my new book, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again. Now, this book is packed with idea after idea on how to, just as the title implies, get your customers to come back. In the book, you'll learn that repeat customers aren't always loyal customers. Now, both are great, but there's a big difference. You'll also learn about 10 reasons a customer may stop doing business with you and three reasons you would stop doing business with them. And one of my favorite lessons is a six-step process for creating an I'll Be Back strategy. Of course, there's much, much more. You'll start getting more of your customers to say, I'll be back almost immediately. Just go to www.I'llBeBackBook.com. Again, that's www.I'llBeBackBook.com. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Laura Bassett of NICE and the platform NICE CX1. Let's uh, dig into the digital experience. This is the online experience. This is where a customer says, I need help. I want to learn more. I've got a problem, even a complaint. Uh, we're finding that a number of customers not just are willing to use the digital over calling initially, but they actually prefer it. So I know you've got some stats and facts on that from your findings. Let's hear about it. Absolutely. And, and this is a proven behavior. I think if any of us said, where would I start? We'd probably align with this behavior. What we're finding is that over 80% of consumers today 
actually start with digital when they have a question, when they have a need, when they want to buy something, right? And and it's even up as high as over 85%, right? But we'll be conservative. We'll leave it at 80%, which is the official stat. Um, some informal research we did recently showed it's increasing. But what does that mean for businesses? That means that at least 20% of their customers, only 20% of their customers are actually seeking direct assistance from their business as a first option with an agent, right? 80% of our opportunities to service our customers are starting on digital, right? And that really takes us to digital is that catalyst for a disruption in customer experience and how we're delivering it, right? For the consumer, it's their natural way that they're going to want to try to communicate with us. And that's what the data shows. Right. Yeah, even even and I get the data that digital first is often where they go on a website to even get a phone number and or some way to contact an agent. And by the way, maybe they're willing to use the chat bot. And if the system that is behind the chat bot is smart and recognizes the customer continues to have problems with the in not understanding the answer the chat bot's giving, the chat bot will seamlessly shift it to a live agent. And the only way you would know you're talking to a live agent versus a chat bot is it takes a little longer for the agent to type out the answer. Yeah. The chat. In some cases, if they're smart enough, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so our research found some similar findings. One of the things we also know about the phone is that customers, even though they're willing to go digital, the phone is still important. And what we found is that baby boomers really love the phone compared to Gen Z and even uh, millennials. So kind of interesting that the age demographics break it down. So let's jump back into the unamazing experience. I, I promised everybody would talk about that. And I, I know you have some great insights to share. We're learning an awful lot from our customers. So uh, I know you've got one particular unamazing experience you'd like to share with us as the story. And since you are the chief storyteller, go ahead and let's hear it. All right, absolutely. So I think, you know, let's let's stem off of the digital first approach, right? And this is where I think we as companies can really shift how we approach customer experience. So the very first thing, what I want to center around, Shep, is I've got kind of some tips like how can we create an amazing experience, right? Um, which is what we're here to learn. Look at our unamazing experiences and figure out that's the very first place we should start, right? So if you look at your experience, walk in your customer's shoes. Compare that to what you might expect in your own experience, right? So that's the first thing I want to lay out there. And that kind of leads me into, you know, what can we learn from our own experiences, right? We're all customers. We all have examples of unamazing experiences. We waste time finding information, right? That's probably the biggest frustration for me. So let me give you a story. My, I have a toy that's actually my son's toy. And the camera on it broke. It wouldn't work. And like many other customers, where did I start? I started on Google, right? What do you think happened? I, I can only, I would assume you typed in uh, camera broken on whatever the item is to see what would happen. Yep. What, what and would guess pop what up happened? on that search? I got a bunch of people wanting to sell me the product I already had. I mm -hmm. didn't get anything from the company that actually sells the product to help me fix it they were promoting their product. <laughs> so, right. That's big. Right. So then my next step is I said, well, let me go to YouTube. There's a lot of people that'll post videos of how I fixed this product. Well, what I actually found out there was other 
people trying to like fix the product or that it's showing that it was broken in the same way. There was no videos that anyone had put out there on actually how to fix it. So the very first lesson that I think to fix that unamazing experience is to be present for the need, wherever that need is. And we have to realize that to do that as a consumer, we aren't reaching directly to that organization. We're kind of a do-it-yourself community at this point, right? Because the tools are there. We expect the tools to be there. So that was my kind of, that was my first 30 minutes of trying to resolve my own problem. And, and by the way, there are plenty of great companies out there that post videos on how to fix it. Uh, there was a particular software company that I did business with. And I said, tell me how your customer support works. Do, do I have to submit a ticket and wait a day? Uh, and they go, oh, no, no, you'll get instant customer support. Watch what happens. Just go to Google and type in, how do you do blank with blank? And guess what? And by the way, YouTube and Google are are the same. So uh, you, a right. YouTube video top, uh, popped up from the company on how to do whatever it is I was asking for. But you know what else was there? were a number of other videos, not so much showing that it didn't work, but showing their solution. And I think it's so important that companies watch this closely because you need to have your own content out there rather than your customers starting to control your narrative. Because right. that's what happens if you don't become proactive in getting your support on online digitally. I, I love the YouTube video, the how-to videos, which, by the way, serve not only as a customer support video, but also a good marketing piece showing that, A, you're there, and B, this is how to best use the product. Yep. Yeah. I mean, my amazing experience would have been on my search, something to come directly from that company that says, hey. We recognize this happens when the products start to age. It's a quick fix. Do this. We're not even going to make you send it in and whatever, anything like that. Right. Mm -hmm. But let me continue a little bit with my example, if you don't mind, because it actually comes through then to that amazing experience. What happens with the agent, right? What can we learn from our agents when we, when we talk about this? So to, to very quickly go through my next steps, I said, I'd had about 30 minutes now with no success. So then I, I, in searching on Google and YouTube and trying to watch videos. So I went to the website. Well, first of all, it took me to the UK website. And while I would love to have been in the UK at the time, <laughs> I'm in Florida. <laughs> so the, it, the, it wasn't recognizing and sending me based on where I was. But then when I did get there, I spent another 15 minutes searching the website and the FAQs for answers or a way to contact this company. Just a way to contact. Just, I was digging through and, you know, I found in some one FAQ that there was a phone number, but that was after hours. So I was continuing to say, is there a way I can send an email, anything like that? Then much to my surprise, so score one for the company, there was a way to text, but that was like three levels down in yeah. an FAQ response, right? So what could I have done, right, to, and this was 10 p.m. my time, right? So in the late evening after the kids are in bed. and so there was a lot that, that could have been done to make that easier, make it obvious how I can reach out and when, right? I, I tried to contact us, that didn't work. That's how I figured out I was on a UK site. Um, By the way, one of the top reasons that uh, customers abandon the companies they're working with, it's they can't find a way to connect with a real person. Yep, and we call, I call that being in uh, jail, IVR jail, web jail, whatever it is, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so then I get to the agent and, and I think this is important. 
they knew nothing of what I'll call my adventure at that point. Nothing. And they probably apologized to me for it three times. I'm sorry that I can't tell what you've already done. I'm going to need to ask you these questions. They were going by the script, right? And so that's where it comes to another key point to me is don't leave your agents in the dark, right? Give them what you already know. Make them knowledgeable, but also help them understand that they don't have to go through the rote script. I answered the same questions I'd already typed to this person in the text saying, here's what I've done, A, B, C, D, E, right? They were stuck in their script. They were trained that no matter what, they have to get these questions answered. And they weren't even empowered to jump to the point where they knew I was in the interaction. When we finally caught up, at this point, I'm timing it, right? Because this is what I do. Because <laughs> You know, it's it's really dangerous for a customer support person to be working with somebody that works with customer <laughs> support people. It is. <laughs> but where we finally got is about 14 minutes into the interaction with him, 20, I, I think that's where I was. Um, he asks me when I purchased the product, I'm two months past warranty. I'm sorry, I can't help you not let me send you some tips on where the, you know, how things work in the product. No, no, he didn't have the, or I said, can I have an option to pay? He said, if you were under warranty, you could send it to us. We'd fix it for free. I'm like, can I pay for a fix? Can I send it to you anyway? Nope. We don't offer that service. Do you have a local option? No, they gave me a 5% discount to buy a new product. I'm not going to go buy that product. Yeah. Right. That's unamazing. <laughs> That was unamazing. So what could have turned that around? Yeah. So we'll flip it around. We've got a couple minutes for you to share insights on how to turn the ugly into beautiful. There you go. Empower the agents. That's my three. Empower your agents. Give them the tools, the options, the information, right? To actually solve the problem. Give, turn them into a CX executive that really owns that experience. Give them their own bot assistant. Give them real-time knowledge bases that they can leverage for how to do these things, provide them real-time interaction based on the language the customer is using for, so they know how to navigate the conversation and if they're experiencing frustration, right? So that to me is, uh, is a key piece. That, that agent left that conversation feeling unsuccessful. Yeah. And that wasn't my intent, but I was unsuccessful at the same time, right? Um, and so that's, I think, a key piece as well. Yeah. And we have to learn from that. We have to find out if that's happening. The only way that happens is for leadership to sit in on some of these calls or look at some of the uh, chats going back and forth to realize just how frustrated customers can be. Yeah. And that goes back to the first thing I said, walk in your customer's shoes, right? Mm -hmm. Figure out how hard it is to find the fix, right? Um, and and really, I know, we're, I know we're a little close to time here. So I want to go with one last... Um, Great. One, well, here, we'll ask the one thing question. What one last nugget of information oh, okay. do you want to share here? And by the way, if you want to give us two, we're not going to argue with you. Okay. But, you know, I think the the last thing, and I've kind of been going on that, you know, focus on the unamazing in order to deliver the amazing, right, is really the way I like to look at it. And I think the last thing is just to realize that amazing doesn't have to have fireworks, right? Simplify. Seamless and simple wins every time right? A digital experience that was complete. If the company recognized that a simple how-to video, because I can't be the first person that had this problem, I know I wasn't because it's on YouTube, could have saved the entire experience, right? 
I probably would have advised other people to get the same product at the same time. You know, I'd be a proponent, right? Um, but I'm sitting here with a broken product still. <laughs> frustrating, frustrating. This has been amazing. This is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. I want to wrap up with a comment that you just made to reinforce, to focus on the unamazing, to deliver the amazing. And really amazing is not that difficult. Well, I've always preached that it's just a tiny, tiny bit better than average, but it's consistent and predictable. And your thought behind that is it needs to be seamless and simple. And when you are seamless and simple, you win every time. That's nice. Pun intended. Thanks, Laura, for being on the show. This has been great. All right. Thanks a lot, Shep. I look, I, I very much enjoyed it. Maybe we'll do it again sometime. I can't wait. I can't wait. Well, that wraps up another interview. Thank you so much, Laura Bassett from Nice. And we will be back next week with another interview. So please come back. And until that time, this is Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>